0: Life before finding Jesus was, uh, i say, pretty good. Not not great. I'd say our our marriage was great, our kids were great. It was always felt like something was kind of missing. Uh, career-wise, I was military. I love the military, don't get me wrong. But I wanted something more. And I was already on the way to being retired, moving back here. And it was, uh, it was kind of looking. Definitely for something. The May 1st, 2019, I get a call at work from Brittany, and she's with at the ER with our youngest, saying I need to come over. So we get down there, and he had had been acting, been acting right all morning. He's usually really hyper, running around, but he'd been lethargic. wasn't really just kind of slurring his words, not talking that well. And after a few tests, they finally do a CAT scan and they find what they said was a brain tumor in his brainstem. Uh, completely like changed my life. Um, I do remember thinking that the first time they told us what it was, that it was like I was being punished. They're going after my kid for all the lies that I've said, all the all the things that I've done and just for not really ever believing this was the way that I was gonna be punished. They were gonna take my my son was gonna take him from me. So I was pretty hopeless the first day, I'd say. And then the, the ER and Cook's was just was awful because by that time Carter couldn't pick himself up off the floor. Or chew or swallow, he was just drooling everywhere. His eye completely deviated to the right. And I thought he's just gonna suffer up until the end, and I have to watch it. And when they told us what it actually was, it wasn't a brain tumor, it was what's called a Gandhra's malformation. First thing he says, it's not worse, but it's really not better either, because of its location size of the mass it is in the worst area inside the brainstem which everything goes through there to get to the rest of your body and the first neurosurgeon that we had said that I can't I don't want to do the surgery because there's still a significant shell of brainstem around it and that would probably do more damage than good going to get it out they said that they gave us time a little over We're just gonna sit on it basically. We got a new neurosurgeon. First thing I asked him is will you bring my son back? Will he live through the surgery? I said, I'm not gonna guarantee you that he'll wake up or that everything will be way better. I can't, I can't make that guarantee, but you will make it through surgery. So the day of surgery, he was asleep on the bed, already had the tube, the anesthesiologist already came in has bent over him his head and and whispered in his ear please come back to me and then took him away. waiting in the waiting room, probably less than, less than six hours, maybe five hours had gone by and we'd only gotten like three updates and it had been two hours since we got an update. And then my daughter is looking out the waiting room window and she says, that's Carter. And I see him being rolled away on his bed and I'm thinking, like, we haven't, like something, since it's been, it's been too soon, like why are they done already? So they must have found something I had to stop. Finally, Dr. honeygut shows up he says, oh, I've been looking for you guys. I went to like, two other waiting rooms thinking you guys are in there, but here you are. Anyways, uh, surgery went really good, and I got it all out. And I just, like, collapsed in his arms. So happy. And I said, how oh, sure, are you got it out. He said, I'm 96% sure. Really that's a really good, that's a high. Well, the first, he says to me, like, I don't know if, like, when he'll wake up. So we still have to get through that. But right now it's looking good. I got it. So it might be a little bit before he, he becomes conscious. Of and no sooner do we get back there, than he's already like kicking a nurse off of him, trying to get like, get away from this nurse as I like grabbed his legs. So he was already <laughs> awake, and I just knew. They like, take him away to do his rehab, and, and during that period, he was doing some rehabilitation, and I noticed his incision, which was still pretty fresh, but it was leaking a lot of uh, CSF some cerebral spinal fluid, like a faucet had been turned on basically. So they go back in and fix the incision, which was really scary, because I thought that might be like, still not how it was. Uh, the incision healed okay. He was able to go home after about six weeks. Right after the surgery, I'd say, they looked, they did a little MRI, and the big golf ball-sized mass was gone, but there was still a little little spot in there that they were, they were not too sure about whether it was left over. Or if it was a uh, like a blood clot from the surgery. The way I am, I just I'll only focus on like, oh my gosh, there's still something in his head, and like, I don't wanna get it out. Or, like, Please. I need to find out like right away. So he, he, a month after they do a scan, and it looks like it had faded. Six months later we do another scan, which is his most recent one that we just did. And he's completely clear. There's no remnants whatsoever, and God saved me, so there's never been bigger proof in my life that God exists.
1: Come on, church, let's give God thanks for that. Let's praise him with some heart emojis, some, some hand claps, some waves, some fist bumps. Come on, put that in the comment section to just celebrate what God has done for the Schultz family. Man, our God is an awesome God. You know, something that uh, that Alex, uh, we, we didn't really capture, didn't portray it here in this story, is that before before God, <laughs> be, be, before he met Jesus, he wasn't just... Yeah, life was good, but he was a self-proclaimed atheist. Just didn't believe in God, and this incident happened with her precious son, and and it, it, the scales begin to fall off of his eyes. They they kept coming to church, and and before you know it, he he sees God through his wife and that precious boy, gives his life to Jesus, is water baptized. Man, God's just doing an incredible work in their lives. So that's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of the cross. And that's what we celebrate today. Amen. Amen. Well, this week was, was an awesome week. You know, it's Love Week. And we like to celebrate the week of, of the crucifixion, the week of Easter, just by random acts of kindness, by love, by going out into the community. And so we did a lot of that this week as best we could. But one of the things we did was we we went to Chick-fil-A and just paid for everybody's breakfast from from 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock in the morning. And over 600 people received free breakfast. That's awesome. That's great. We we fed some people. But we also blessed a local business in the meantime. And so I want to say thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving. It's your generosity that, that fed all of those people. And it's going to keep making a difference for years and years and years to come because that free biscuit, that, that free chicken mini, whatever it was, that's just got, that seed that was sown. And this this week and the weeks and months and years to come, there's somebody that will come to know Jesus because of that random act of kindness this past Tuesday. So I thank God for that. Thank you for that, for your generosity. So, hey, before we get into the message today into the into the... Um, uh, the main part of the message, I want to do something that we began last year, and that is I want to lead you through an Easter survey card. And this is just something that really just helps us lead you better. You know, this is only our second Easter, and I, I can't believe that, by the way, that, that we've only been around for two Easters. Like, it just blows my mind. But this is something that just helps me lead you better, helps me pastor you better. And somewhere in the comment section or in the description of the post, there's going to be a um, a link to an Easter response card. And our team's probably posting it there right now for you in the comment section. Um, if you're on a computer, you can go ahead and click that and it's going to open up in a new window and and you can have the message going and that card open at the same time. But if you're on a phone, you're probably going to want to wait until the end of the message because it'll take you to a new A new window you won't be able to enjoy the message as well so here's here's the the response card is just a way to help us lead you better that's all it is so if you're a guest with us today one thing I would love for you to do is just fill out that card so that we can know that you're with us Uh, we promise no hassle guarantee where we're not gonna visit your house we're not gonna call you we're not gonna put you on a on a massive email list and spam you every week but we will send you a handwritten card this week to just say thanks for being with us. And if you'll let us know how we can pray for you, our promise is that in the weeks ahead, we're going to lift you up in prayer. All right? So we will pray for you by name. There's a, there's a place on the form where you can, you can put that. So we'd be honored to lift you up and pray for you in the weeks ahead. Now, there's a couple questions I want to lead you through, okay? And the first question is this. It's what are the greatest areas of stress that people are experiencing right now (laughs) I mean this, this is this is a big question because we're 30 days into a pandemic all across the world 30 days in we just came out of a shelter in place but we didn't really come out of it because they extended it another 30 days right so so now we're in shelter in place. Those of you who said, I will never homeschool my kid, guess what? You're homeschooling your kids right now. Those of you who said, I, I don't ever want to work from home. You're working from home, right? It's, it's happening to all of us. Uh, there's just so much going on. And, and when with all of these changes, I'm telling you, it's a recipe for stress. I mean, we're already a depressed society, an anxious society. We're already a society that deals with worry and fear. And then you add this pandemic to the mix. And man, I'm telling you, there there is there's a recipe for stress. So here's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm actually changing the series that I was going to do after Easter. I was going to do you asked for it. It's a series where we let you just kind of give us some guidance on what you need to hear. And uh, I'm changing that because I feel like we're in one of the most stressful seasons ever. I'm, I'm telling you for myself, it's stressful. I'm having to find a new rhythm. I'm having to find a new vibe because everything's, everything's changed for me. And so answering this question, what are the greatest areas of stress, is going to help me just bring that series to you. And starting next Sunday, we're actually going to two services online as well. So we'll have a 10 o'clock and an 11.30 a.m. service They give you an opportunity to worship one and serve one. And, and if you can't catch it in the morning, you can catch it in the, in, in a little bit later as well, all right? So the second question is this. It's what are the greatest barriers to knowing God? What are the greatest barriers? like, Pastor, I just need to know how to pray and read my Bible. And here's what I want you to know is that everybody is created to know God. You were created to know God. There's not a doubt in my mind that you, like, He wants you to know Him. He wants to know you. So what are those barriers? What are those hurts or those habits and those hang-ups? What are those things that you, that you just need to get past? Because here's the deal. Without a relationship with God, you're going to be unfulfilled. So what are those issues? What are those barriers? Um, you list those, and we're, we want to help you along the way just to, just to get past those barriers. The next one is, the next step in my spiritual journey is, and right there on that form online, there are a few choices. And you just mark the one that's appropriate for you. Mark the one that you, that, that, that you need, right? And our promise to you is we're not going to hassle you. It doesn't sign you up for anything. What this does is it's just going to let us know you're interested, and then we're, we're going to send you some information for that. We won't sign you up. We'll just send you some information. And in fact, we are working on a way to provide Growth Track digitally uh, through Google uh, Meets. So that's going to be a great way that if you want to take a next step at City Hope, you can totally do that digitally by going to Growth Track. And that's going to start in May. Our team's working on that right now to get that going for you so we can keep taking those next steps. And then, then number four is where would you like to see the next City Hope campus okay now we don't have a we don't have a map hanging on a wall somewhere with with pins in it like marking a bunch of cities we don't have all that um, but what we what we have is opportunity and right now you guys know we're getting ready to move into a brand new facility later on this year we are remodeling that facility right now but here's here's the deal we we have big vision I believe God's gonna fill this building at Cedar Elm up he's gonna fill it up and then some planting a campus means just breaking off a piece of what we're doing here at Cedar Elm and going to one of the communities that's 15 20 minutes away and and taking a group of people and launching another campus there maybe you live in, in a city that's 15 or 20 minutes away maybe you live and work there and if you could live work and go to church there man that would be, you'd hit the lottery right there. So where would that be? Help us out. Help us plan. That's all it's going to help us do. It's going to help us plan, um, and, and, uh, and it'll help us in such a powerful way. So uh, don't hit the submit button on that form yet. Okay, don't hit submit, because I'm going to revisit this card later on in the service. So leave it open. Don't hit submit, and we're going to come back to that a little later. Okay? Now I want to take a moment to just, I want what I want to do is I want to remind those who call City Hope home while we're here. What's our vision? What's our purpose? Why do we exist as a church? And for those of you who are new, I want to I want to introduce you to who we are as a church. But I'm going to do it backwards. OK, we have four things that we, we say we do four things here at church. We help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference but I'm going to lead us through those backwards real quick because I want to show you something, and I'm going somewhere, okay? So before I get there, check out Proverbs 29, 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing in the middle of a pandemic, it's crazy, it's stressful, I don't understand all the things that are going on. If you can't see what God's up to, you're going to stumble. It's going to be chaos. Your life's going to seem like you're, you're, you're just going nowhere, right? But... When they attend, when you attend to what he reveals, and what he reveals is what I'm about to share with you. What he reveals is the purpose and the plan and the destiny that he has for you. When you attend to that thing, that's when you are the most blessed. And that's what we want for you is we want you to be blessed. So how do you do that? What what does that mean to be most blessed? And I think we can sum it up in our vision. That you can be most blessed when you're doing four things. You can be most blessed when you're making a difference. You can be most blessed when you're doing this thing right here. I'm telling you, you were created to do something great. You were created to make a difference in this world. God has put gifts and talents and passions and abilities inside of you. And I'm telling you today that you're not going to be fulfilled until you're living out that that purpose making a difference in fact secular sociologists call this they have a name for it it's called self actualization it's when you lay your head down at night on that pillow knowing that you gave your all you lived your life to full potential it's when you know that your life matters that you're doing what you're supposed to do but can I tell you I just wanna tell you you can't make a difference in this life unless unless you know your purpose unless you discover why you are here on this earth you can't make a difference until you you know what god wants from you what's the purpose what's the plan that he has for your life psalm 139 says that that he knit us god knit us together together in our mother's womb. He created our inmost being. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah 29 11 says that God has plans for us. Plans to prosper us. To give us a hope and a future. There's plans for, for destiny and purpose there. But let me tell you something. You can't find your purpose apart from God. You've got, you, you've, you've got to know God. You can't find your purpose apart from Him. He's, he's the one who gives your purpose to you. I say it this way sometimes: that you can't see tomorrow, you can't see the purpose that God has for your life, if you're still dealing with yesterday. You can't move at the pace that God wants you to move if you're being if you're being weighed down by the anchor of your past. Come on, somebody, you, we got to get free of that, and that's why we've got to find freedom. Let me go through that again. You. You've been called to make a difference, but you can't make a difference in this life until you discover your purpose. But you can't discover your purpose in this life till you get past your past. Until you settle your yesterdays, until you let God do some healing work on the inside of you, you can't get past your past. And and he wants us to find freedom. Here's what I've discovered with so many of us is that we're stuck in a mess. We're stuck in a hurt or a habit or a hang-up or an addiction. And, and here's the thing, all of us were there before we met Christ. It doesn't matter if you were Mr. or Miss Goody-Two-Shoes, you were in a mess. Every one of us were in a mess. The way we say it is, you've got issues. <laughs> we've all got issues. And if you say you don't have issues, well, that's your issue. Because we've all got them. We've all got issues. So we've all, had, we've all been in a mess before. But too many of us are still stuck in that mess. We're still stuck looking in the rearview mirror, wishing things could be different. I'll say it this way you're filtering your todays through your yesterdays. You can't go anywhere because everything in life is filtered through what happened in the past. And I'm just asking you a question today why can't this be the year that that changes for you? Why can't this be the year that that you get past the hurt, the victimization? Why can't this be the year that you get past the the hang-up or the habit or the addiction? Why can't this be the year that you find freedom in your life? Come on, somebody. This is the year. I believe that. This is the year of the favor of the Lord for you to get past all of that. Why can't this be the year that you get in a small group? Well, you know, Pastor, those small groups aren't meeting right now. Oh, but we have some digital small groups. Why can't this be the year that you start right now? Just, just go ahead and take the plunge. So the bottom line is this. We can't make a difference in this life until we know our purpose. But we can't know our purpose until we find freedom. The bottom line, here it is. You can't have freedom in your life until you know God. You can't have freedom until you know God. It all starts right here and this is what I want to talk about today this is the message that's burning on my heart today is for us to know God that we can't live out the rest of our vision we can't live out the destiny that God has for us without a relationship without a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ so I want to boil it down I want to show you what Christianity is all about I want to show you what it's all about. And when Jesus talked about a relationship with God, when Paul, the apostle, talked about a relationship with God, they used the word no. Like K-N-O-W. No. Now that probably isn't a shocker to you, right? That, that does, you're like, oh, really? Okay. But listen, the, the problem is that we don't understand the meaning of, of that word in Greek. The Bible was written Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek, or the new testament and the greek word for this is so like it, it just it, it it brings so much more to the picture and we need to know what jesus was talking about when he said i want you to know the father when paul said i want to know christ what they were saying was this greek word gnosko i i want to gnosko christ and gnosko means literally means to know intimately to know intimately. It's, it's like this, to understand, to have a friendship, to have this bond, this, this intimate bond with someone. That's what the word means, ginosko. And, and that's what we need in our lives, is we, we need to ginosko God. See, this was a foreign idea to the Jewish people, because God was way up here, and, and they were way down here, and they couldn't be close to God, Only priests could go into the Holy of Holies. Only the priests could could meet with God once a year on that special occasion. There there was just this distance, this, this separation. And God was up here and we were down here. And we can't really have a relationship. We can't have an intimate relationship with God. And so when Jesus said that you could know God the Father, they were indignant. It offended the Jewish people because nobody can do that. Who who could do that? It was also an idiom for the relationship between a husband and a wife in the bedroom. All right. So they would use that in in public places sometimes as a politer way to say, oh, you you know about them. Right. So it it was it, it was used to describe that. Now, that's not how we we don't. Describe that with our relationship with the Lord. We use it this way. To know him intimately. To know him in the way that he's called us. To know him. So all Jesus was trying to do here. All he was trying to do is show us. That we could have an intimate. Life giving. Powerful. Breath of fresh air. Kind of relationship with God the Father. And with himself. And so I want to show you a few places. Where Jesus shows us that there's more to a relationship with God than than just knowing about him. See, that was the problem. The Jewish people knew about God. They knew about him, they didn't know him. Can I tell you today there is there's a big difference between knowing about God, knowing what he's done, knowing knowing who he is and all of that and knowing him in an in an intimate relationship. So I want to show you a couple places. First is Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 through 23. Jesus starts out by saying, Not everyone, I mean it just right off the bat, not everyone's gonna gonna make it to heaven. What what? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, like, hey Jesus, hey, what's up, Jay Dog? Come on, J Train, you remember me, baby. Come on, we were close. Remember, you remember that? I called your name, man. Remember we, we friends. We're tight. Jesus says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father, what's the will of the Father that we would know him, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference come on that's that's the one who makes it in heaven. It goes on to say that many, a lot of people, not a few, a lot of people are going to say to him on judgment, day lord didn't we didn't we prophesy in your name and didn't we go to church online with city hope on Easter twenty twenty didn't we do serve day with them didn't we Stand in line and, and wave at people. Didn't we do random acts of kindness for people in Wichita Falls? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And, and then Jesus is going to say, he says, I'm going to tell them. I will tell them plainly. In no uncertain terms, I never I didn't. I didn't have an intimate relationship. I don't know you. Like, away from me. You evildoers. Man, how disheartening. I, I thought I did all this in your name. I thought we were close, Jesus. And he'll say, "I, but I didn't, I didn't, there wasn't a bond. There wasn't a friendship. There wasn't a relationship there. I, you used my name a lot, but it was, it was only when you're angry. Like, I, I didn't know you. Matthew, the next chapter, Matthew chapter 15 says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to, to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? The tradition that they're talking about in the next verse is, they they don't wash their hands. Why don't they wash their hands before they eat? And they had this certain way that you were supposed to wash your hands. If you didn't wash your hands this way, then you broke the tradition, right? And, and the Pharisees were way more concerned about this tradition than actually obeying God. And so Jesus replies, he says, Well, well, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You're you're, you're all about works. You're all about doing everything just right. But he goes on in the next verse, he says, You're a hypocrite. And I love the boldness of Jesus to just say, You hypocrites. You, You say one, in other words, you say one thing and do another, you don't make sense. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. They say all the right things, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are rules. All you care is about do's and don'ts and and works and and all of these things. You're, You're just concerned about rules taught by men. You don't don't know me. You don't know God. That's what Jesus is trying to show them here. And then the the next passage is in Matthew chapter 25. These are just a couple places where Jesus uses this word gnosko. And he says, uh, this is a parable. Oftentimes when Jesus talked, he would use stories. He would use a parable to just get his point across. We do that today in, in our culture. And so Jesus says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like ten virgins. Like, in other words, it's going to be like people who are trying to do everything right. They're trying to make sure all their I's are dotted and their T's are crossed. They're trying to do everything just right. And and it's going to be like those virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Five of them were wise enough to bring some some extra oil. The Bible says the foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. Hey, that's like going splunking. You you probably don't know what splunking is. You might not even you, you may have never heard that term but from this East Tennessee boy, that's all those caves, right? All those caves you go down, that's called splunking. And you you would uh you're not going to go down in a cave with a flashlight but no extra batteries, right? How foolish would that be? And these virgins have a lamp with no extra oil. The wise, however, took, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Let me stop right there and say, hey, listen. I know that church has been talking for years. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. You better be ready. Jesus is coming. He's, he's on his way. The, the end is close. Like, hey, Jesus is coming. But look what happened. He was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy. They fell asleep. See, I think there's a lot of us today that we've become drowsy and we've fallen asleep because we've been hearing for a long time, Jesus is coming. Can I tell you? He's coming. The the Bible's true when it says he's going to split the eastern sky and he's going to take those who believe in him with him home. Let's not get drowsy. It goes on to say, at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come meet him. And then all the virgins woke up, they trimmed their lamps. Check this out. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. The wise ones said, No. They, there may not be enough for both of us and you. We can't have enough for us and you. So, hey, you, you're going to have to fend for yourself. You're going to have to go find some oil. And it's midnight, remember. They say, Hey, go to those who, sell, who buy and sell oil and buy some for yourselves. In other words, good luck because it's midnight. You're probably not going to find anybody that would get up and sell some oil to you at this hour. And, but while they were on their way, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with the bridegroom, and the door was shut. Check out this next line it says, Later the others also came. The foolish ones came back, they found some oil. Sir, sir, open the door for us. But but he replied, I tell you the truth. And I left the next part out. Because a lot of us would assume that, that Jesus, the bridegroom, would say, I tell you the truth, you should have been here on time. You, you knew that you should have extra oil. Why didn't you have extra oil? I tell you the truth, you should have worked harder. You should have been better. You should have, you should have done better things. You, you should have... You should have earned your way. You, you should have gotten down on your hands and knees and begged. Maybe then I would have let you in. But that's not what he says. He says, I'll tell you the truth, I, I don't gnosco you. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't have an intimate relationship. There's, there's nothing there. Like, there. There's no relationship. Like, you're just a stranger to me. I don't know you listen to me church today jesus is he's standing at the door of heaven and he's, he's knocking he's asking do you know me and when you read a passage like this when you read it and you don't love god or you're not serving god out of a full heart out of a heart of abundance when you read this and you don't love god you're going to have a sense of hopelessness like man there's 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 no way i ca- i can't do this I can't earn my way to heaven, how how could I ever be good enough? But when you love God, when you have a relationship with Him, there there is hope to overcome. There is hope in your life, come on somebody, when you love God. When when you don't love God and you read this passage, there's going to be, the second thing you're going to see here is this frustration with trying to live right. You're trying to do everything right, but you're frustrated. You say, Pastor Ben, I'm trying to live the Bible out. It's hard. I can't do this. It's hard. And let me tell you this. You're right. It is hard when you don't love God. But when you love Jesus, when you have a relationship with the Father in heaven, it's the easiest thing you will ever do. Because the Bible says, Jesus' burden is light. He doesn't give you a heavy burden. His burden is light. So... If you read this and, and you're frustrated, maybe it's because you're not really in love with Jesus. You don't, you, don't really, you don't really know him. If you read this and you're not in love with Jesus, there's going to be this jealousy of others who seem to be closer to God. You're going to be jealous of them. Like, you're going to want what you think they have. You're going to want that. Like, like, man, I wish I could have that in my life. And for some of you today, you were close to Jesus at one time. You had a relationship with him. You've backslidden. You've, you've turned the other way. You chose to not live that way. You, you chose to, to, to go opposite direction of what God wanted for your life. And, and the fire's gone out. You didn't bring any extra oil with you. Your fire's gone out. Here's what I'm doing, church. Today, Easter 2020, I'm calling every one of you. Let's fall in love with Jesus all over again today. Let's fall in love with our Father all over again today. So here's the question of the day. The question that I believe Jesus is asking us right now is, Do you love me? Do you love? Gnosko, do you have an intimate relationship with me? Are, do we know each other? Are we more than acquaintances? Are you more than a fan? Right? Do, do you know me? Do you love me? And here's my prayer for us today, church. It's, it's Paul's prayer in Philippians chapter three is this: I want to know Christ. Come on somebody, this is, this is Paul saying, I want to gnosko, I want to have intimate friendship, relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. What's that mighty power? It's the Holy Spirit, working, living, breathing, moving in our lives. I want this in my life, Paul says. I want to gnosko, I want to have intimate relationship with Jesus. That's my prayer for us today. That's my prayer for us. That we, would have an, that we would have an intimate, deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus. So I want to give you three practical steps to knowing God today. Three practical things to help you know Him. And the first one is this. Just, just to love Him because He first loved you. Come on, you don't need a better reason than that. You, you don't need any other reason to love Jesus other than... He loved you. He was first. Jesus went first. He loved you first. That's why we love him. See, you don't have to get your act together first to get close to God. No, you you get close to God so you can get your act together. Can I say that again? You don't have to get your act together to get close to God. You've got to get close to God so you can get your act together. And with everything you've said, everything you've done, everything you've thought, even this morning... Can I tell you, he's still madly in love with you. He's still so in love with you. If he has a smartphone, your, your picture is on the background. If he's got a screensaver, your picture is his screensaver. If he's got a refrigerator, your picture is on the refrigerator. Right? That's how much he loves you. If there's airplanes in heaven, there's an airplane flying over right now with a banner behind it that says, I love you so much. That's, that's how he feels about you. He loves you. He's not looking for you to get your act together first and then come to him. He's he's not waiting to see if you will love him first before he loves you. The Bible says that while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's no one who loves us like Jesus loves us. He gave his life freely for us. He went to the cross. You're not his project. I'm not his project. We are his beloved, his chosen. We belong to him. He loves us. And so... If I want to know God, I just need to, I just need to love him simply because he loves me. That's it. That's it. First John 4.19 says it that way. It says, we love Jesus because he, he did it first. He went first. He loved us first. So if if you want to know God better, just fall in love with Him. Number two, if, if you want to love Love God. If you want to know Him better, seek Him with all of your heart. Seek Him with all your heart. You see, any relationship that you have, any close friendship, any intimate relationship you have, it, it all started with a pursuit. It all started because, because you went to coffee or lunch or you called and you pestered and you emailed and you texted and you Facebook message, you, you Snapchatted, whatever you did, like It all started with a pursuit. Can I tell you today, Jesus, our Father in Heaven, He likes to be pursued. He likes to be pursued. Jeremiah 29, 13 says that if we will seek Him, we will find Him. You will seek Me and find Me. When? When, Jesus? When, God? When you do it with all your heart? When you go all in? When you give Him everything? When you put your complete trust in him, when, when you go after him with all of your heart, that's when you'll find him. See, my, my, my question for you right now is, is what it's, what's it going to take? Like like when are, when, when, when are you going all in? What would it look like if this was the year? If you said, man, I'm going to see if this church stuff is really real. I'm going to see if this God stuff really works. I'm I'm going to go in this year. I'm I'm going to test it out. I'm going to see what happens. The way we say it here at church is, if you'll give us a year of your life, if you'll go through the things that we suggest, and if you'll get in small groups, even virtual small groups right now, you can go to cityhopefamily.com smallgroups small groups to look at those groups. Get in a group. Go through the growth track when it launches next month. Do everything that we suggest. We promise you, your life this time next year will be better. I didn't say perfect. I said it'll be better. It won't be perfect, but it'll be better. You'll say, man, I can't believe what God has done in my life. This year. See, every relationship takes a commitment. Commitment isn't for when things are good. You, you make a commitment for when things are bad. You make a commitment when, for when things are falling apart. You make a commitment when, for when you want to leave, when you want to walk. You've got a commitment there. That's why you make the commitment. So some of you today, some of you today, you're feeling it in your heart right now. You need to draw a line in the sand. You need to step across that line. And number three, you need to give him your life. You just need to give him your life. You've kind of been pitter-pattering, right? You've been playing patty-cake with Jesus. You've been having a little bit of fun. You're a fan. It's time to go all in, y'all. For some of you watching today, it's not going to change until you go all in. Because Christianity is is not a half in, half out kind of deal. It only works if you go all in. Luke chapter 9 verse 24 says, If if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to hang on to it, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your life. Uh, Let me say it this way. If you try to call the shots, if you want to be in charge, if you want to be the one in control, you'll lose it. It won't work the way you want it to. It's going to fall apart, but if you give your life for God's sake, for Jesus' sake, you'll save it. If you give up the control, if you give up the the being behind the steering wheel, if, if you give up being in charge, you'll save it. You'll save it. See, I, I don't know how else to say it to you than other than this. Like, God's not in heaven right now tallying up how bad you've messed up. He's, he's not in heaven seeing if you've earned enough for His salvation, for His love. He's not up there like keeping score to see if you've worked hard enough, if your works could get you to heaven, if your works could save you. No, He's not doing that. He's simply asking you this question. Do you love me? I don't care about your works. I don't care about what you've done. I don't care that you washed your hands before you ate. As the Jewish law talks about. That that doesn't matter. I'm not concerned about where you served. And and whether you lead worship or serve on the parking team. Or you greet. None of that matters to me. I, I, I don't care about all that. I'm just wondering. Jesus is wondering. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you ginosko? Do you have a relationship with me? Do you know me intimately? Are we friends? Do do we have relationship? That's what he's asking today. And this is is the part of the, the message where I would normally ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I guess we don't really have to do that because you're in your own house, but I do want to ask you a question, though. I want to ask you, in this moment what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's He whispering to your heart right now about the question of Jesus? Do you love me? What's He saying to you? What's He whispering to your heart right now? Because here's the thing the question of Jesus do you love me? That question demands a response. This is your moment to respond and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, I'm not going to ask you to Put an emoji out there. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I am going to ask you to respond. And so this is that moment where I want you to go back to that Easter response card. Find that in your tab on your computer or in just a moment if you're on a smartphone. Do it after the service ends. Please do it because we we want to help you. And we want to help you help us as we lead you better. But here's, here's the question. Here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to respond right now. There's four letters at the bottom of that card. Four letters at the bottom of that card. You are one of those letters. Whether you like it or not. Whether you're you're a believer, you're an atheist, you're you're one of those letters. And the first letter just means this. A. I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. Pastor Ben, I'm already. Hey, thank you. I'm proud of you. Keep it up. Keep sharing your faith. Keep making a difference. I'm, al- I'm already there, Pastor Ben. I'm proud of you. The num- letter B is this. Pastor Ben, today I want to begin a brand new relationship with Jesus. Man, I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I want to know Him. Pastor Ben, I want what you're talking about today. I want to know Him. I want to have intimate relationship. I want Him to change my life today. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus you don't have to join this church to do that you don't have to join any church it starts with your decision in your heart letter letter C is this pastor Ben I'd like to consider it a little bit like I'm really close and man my heart's beating out of my chest right now but I I just don't know if I'm ready and if that's you, if, if you're feeling that way right now, I, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm proud of you for acknowledging that. And I want you to know that City Hope is the kind of church where you can keep coming back. And you don't have to believe like we believe. You don't have to be a Christian to come to church here. You don't, you, you don't have to act the way we act, but we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray that some, some point down the road, you're going to give your life to Christ that whatever roadblock that is that's keeping you from knowing him would be taken away all right so until then we know you need some space and you're not going to be condemned here there's no condemnation but we want to help you take that next step all right so a I'm already a believer B I'm beginning a relationship today C I'd like to consider it and D is Ben I, I just I don't ever intend to make that decision beautiful sermon today the music was lovely but I don't ever intend to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and if that's you, I I want you to be bold enough to put it on the card but I also want you to know we're going to pray for you last year we had about, I think it was two people who marked D on their card and three weeks later one of those became a B one of those gave their life to Christ. I just believe nothing's impossible. If you mark D, we're not going to hound you. We're not going to hassle you. But we will pray for you. I want you to know that. All right? So those, those are the, the four letters. And I would love for you to mark those wherever you find yourself. Just mark that. And then I'm going to give you just a moment to, to, to fill that out. And then I want to lead us in prayer. All right? I want to lead us in prayer. Hey, wherever you are in those four letters... I'm praying that God will help you take a next step. Wherever you are, I'm just praying that God would help you take a next step. So that's what I I, want to pray that over you right now, okay? Wherever you are, there's another step for you. There's another step for me, all right? So Lord, I thank you for every person watching right now. Every person who's attending church. They're not just watching, they're attending church today. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for those who've already made a commitment to follow you. God I thank you that you are doing a, a fresh work in their lives. I thank you that you're doing a great work in them. You're, you're molding them, you're shaping them to help them become more and more like you, God. I pray for a fresh fire, a fresh a breath of fresh air to just fill their lives that they would soar on wings like eagles, God. I'm praying for a fresh a freshness over them today. For those who are beginning a relationship, Lord, I'm so so proud. Of those who are beginning a relationship. And God, I'm asking you that today you would just firmly plant them in you, Jesus. That that today, from this point on, they would genosco, they would have a relationship, an intimate understanding and relationship with the Savior of the world. Lord, I pray that right now for every person who's beginning a relationship. For those today who are saying, Ben, I just want to consider it. Lord, I'm praying right now for that you. That, for an awakening, that you would open their eyes, that they could see and understand like Paul prayed, that they would that they would just have this aha moment, that they could know you, that they could know Christ, can know you and experience your mighty power. Lord, I pray that for every person considering. And for those who say, Ben, I'm, I don't ever want to make this decision. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of the hypocrisy. I'm tired of all of the judgmental attitudes. God, I'm praying right now that you would break that down, that they would begin to see that that's not you. You're not a god of judgment, you're not a god of 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 hypocrisy. You're not you're not like that at all. You're a loving, faithful, awesome, mighty God. So I'm praying that you begin to reveal yourself. For every one of us, God, we we have a next step. There's something you want us to do. There's somewhere you want us to go. There's there's Something that you have planned for us, God. And we want to live our lives knowing you. So we can find freedom. So that we can discover our purpose. And then go make a difference, God. That's what we want. In Jesus' name. And right where you are, I, I do want to take a moment. Just, to, I, I want to pray for those. I want to lead you in a prayer. For those of you who said, today I'm committing. I'm beginning a relationship with Jesus today. I want to lead you in a prayer. This is where it all starts. Nothing really special about this prayer. It's, it's just really for, it's between you and the Lord. But it's just you telling God, I want a fresh start. I want to know you. So will you repeat this after me right at home, right where you are? Just say this after me. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I repent. I turn from my ways to follow your ways. Will you forgive me of all my sin? Cleanse me from everything not like you. Give me a fresh start. Will you give me a blank page? A new beginning so that I can serve you for the rest of my life. Jesus, from this day forward, I will follow you the best that I know how. I'm beginning a real relationship with you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on, right where you are, let's send up some heart emojis, let's send up some hand waves, some fist bumps, whatever you got. Come on, let's celebrate life change for so, so, so many people today. Oh man, hey, I'm proud of you, proud of you for making that decision today.